the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. All right, Rachel, we made it. We are home. We're safe. Um, we yeah, are we're alive. Here. <laughs> we're here. You know, the, the, the Stanley Cup final, it's over. Um, and holy moly, I am still recovering from it. But, <laughs> you know, what a what a lovely experience. It was great. It was great. And sorry that we took, uh, you know, sorry that we, that we skipped our Friday pod. Obviously, it was a travel day for uh, uh, for the the THN crew. Sons Rachel went home the night before. Um, yeah, I took the red eye home. That was a poor choice. Yeah, at least you were like you were you were direct, which was nice. Like, yeah, the <laughs> red eye sucks, but like the yeah. direct. We had we had a, a long flight day. We left at 10 a.m. Vegas time and got home at like one in the morning. Uh, Toronto time. It was crazy. Um, but hey, you know, we're here. No more flights, no more uh, 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 like connecting flights, no more layovers. Well, I've, I'm flying on Thursday, but not for work reasons. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm talking about myself here um, in that I am not getting on an airplane for a little while. So that'll be very nice. Um, but let's talk about the reason why we were on airplanes uh, is the Stanley Cup, the Vegas Golden Knights. They happened to win it. Um, in pretty decisive fashion, considering that, um, you know, they won nine to three. Yeah, that was a bit of a, a butt kicking. So, like, you know, I don't have a rooting interest in really any team, but like in, in, in I definitely didn't have a rooting interest in either team here in the cup final. Like I like it didn't really matter to me. You know, it's Vegas and Florida, two teams that I don't really have a ton of. Um, um, like hard opinions on. However, at the end of like our our very long, you know, sort of odyssey uh, 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 to Vegas and then to Florida, then back to Vegas. If they had sent me back to Florida, like I would have rioted. Like I was ready. I was ready to to. I was ready to go home because I think nine. I think I spent nine total days in Vegas, which is far longer than anyone should ever spend the recommended dose is three <laughs> yeah it's three four you're you're really pushing it but like a three-day weekend that's probably the best time you can spend in vegas i was like nine days i'm done i'm done and i was there for seven and a half straight and four of those days were complete degenerate behavior <laughs> yeah um but like <laughs> i i also just hate the state of florida like i i it is my nightmare weather i hate humidity I hate like like I'm I'm coming around on the heat, but only the dry heat. I hate humidity. I'm a very sweaty guy, and so when you're in Florida, you're just damp all the time. And like I like you, you just fear for your life all the time when you're in Florida. Like I went to a grocery store, and there are people with like straight up machine guns strapped to their belts, and I'm like, all right, I'm done. I hate this. So if they had <laughs> sent me back to Florida, I would have lost my mind. Thankfully, Vegas. There was there were about. There's maybe like one total minute in that game where I was worried um, 
that we might be heading back to Florida, which is when Aaron Eckblad just had this random shot that that went in a, in like the first minute of the, the second, second period. period to make it two one, and then Vegas just decided to become the greatest hockey team of all time and put a beat down on a, on you know a hockey team like I've never ever seen before. Yeah, I was down filming content in the lower bowl, and. I hadn't even finished filming the Vegas scored the fourth goal video when they scored the fifth goal. Like it was totally insane. So goals three, four and five came within, I want to say like five minutes and I'm sitting there, Mike McKenna and I are sitting there and we're talking to the boys from the empty nerves podcast and Johnny Lazarus. And we're just sitting here like, this is a beating And I think part of it is because once Vegas got the third goal, Florida kind of knew. All right, we don't have Matthew Kachuk, which we'll talk about in a second. But they kind of, you could see in their body language that they kind of knew, okay, this is it. And now we've just got to get through the next, I don't know, 35 minutes without incident. Yeah, there was a there there was eight minutes like the final eight minutes, I would say, of the second period. And I'm not like this is no hyperbole. Like legitimately, I think it is the most dominant stretch of hockey I have ever seen a uh, like a, a team play, at least in person. It was like a power play for like eight straight minutes of the second period where Vegas just they took it, they're like, no, like we are we're, we're this it's over. We're done here. Yeah. Vegas also wanted to go and party, and uh did they ever they Jack Eichel was roaming the strip at 6 a.m. the day after Vegas won the cup and he hadn't gone to bed yet. It was incredible. As he should, man. Like that, like you win you think about all the Jack Eichel has gone through. Oh, I mean, I have that quote, right? I have that video that's up on our our Twitter feed where Jack Eichel's like, you think about all the bleep that you've gone through and your family's been supporting you and it's more about winning it for them than it is about winning it for you. But you could see in his eyes that it was a giant F you to the Buffalo Sabres and how they handled it. And honestly, I've got no issues with that. The guy proved that he can win and be a key part on a, of a winning team. And kudos to him, man. Seriously, kudos to him. Yeah, I mean, there was like a there was an extended stretch of his life, like like eighteen months during a pandemic, basically, where he likely couldn't sleep properly because of uh, uh you know, because he had a you know a messed up disc in his neck, yeah, like a like, degenerative you know, disc issue. Yeah, like he was. This is a guy who has been through a lot. He, at, at one point, we're talking about whether or not Jack Eichel can return. Will he return? You know, all that. And how good and, will he be if he returns? Yeah. It, will he be 60% of Jack Eichel is, is the days of him being like a franchise player. Are they, are they gone? And then also like, boy, if, if they are, he's wasted his, like or his, not him specifically, but like his, his, his prime has been wasted in, in an organization that only until recently has shown any signs of competence, but before that has, has just taken him for, for granted. They never really wanted him in the first place because they were gunning for McDavid. McDavid. And it just like, it would have been such a tragic end to the elite Jack Eichel era here. And then boom, he comes to Vegas. Yes. He has a bit of a slow start just because he was dealing with coming back from a massive you know, come back mid season from a massive surgery that changed, you know, the composition of his body. Um, but then he, then he hits the ground running and 
like the guy had had a playoffs to like like had one of the the great modern playoff runs. Like he was just an app. Like he proved that he was the elite piece that Vegas was missing. And like you know, it, it, the, the the margin between him and and uh, uh, Marcheso for the Con Smythe was razor thin. Like I could have gone if if either one had gotten it, I would have been overjoyed over the moon. Um, and, and it kind of goes to what we have been talking about for quite a while, which is Vegas is one elite center away from being a cup team. They get that elite center and and they're a cup team. And so I I really hope that what teams take from this and they're definitely not going to. But I really hope that teams look at Vegas and and look at how they have been sort of cold in how they've handled some certain players and how they've been calculated and how they're willing to do what other teams simply aren't willing to do to win versus what Florida did, which is basically get hot and rely on a goaltender. It's, I think it's more likely that teams look at Florida and, is, and go, oh, if we just get in, anybody's got a chance versus Vegas going, we're not having inefficient contracts. We will trade you. Um, if we find somebody better, you're gone. There's no loyalty. That is how Thomas Drance had a great piece about how Vegas has done that. And of course, people are hesitant to sign there. But you know what makes people less hesitant to sign with your franchise? If you win. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so less less Florida lucking into it and more Vegas being cold and calculated. Also, can we just say like the, like the team of the Florida Panthers, I get when it all costs, you know, like I like any any fan of a team should be happy that, you know, another that their team is like ripping the limbs off their opponents to to get in. But like I'm going to uh, this is just me being being vulnerable here in that like I would have been you know less I would have I would have been less like congratulatory I think if they if if the Panthers had won like what a bunch of just just pieces of trash on the ice you know like just just a very I know that everyone was like oh these guys were were you know like like you know Matthew DeChuck is so likable he's like are you you know he's becoming one of the faces of the NHL he was amazing all that but like other than that what an unlikable hockey team <laughs> like yeah there's definitely a lot of unlikable like Sam Bennett is good dude off the ice on the ice awful right Radko Gudis not very likable I will say Sasha Barkov is very likable he might be the only one that's likable. Like Carter Verhage has been in and out. The stalls. I mean, we don't even have to go over why they're not likable. But it was um, it was great with the obligatory them together crying. Like I I enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I'm happy for Vegas. Um, one, I don't want to hear any more of hockey can't work in Vegas. The amount of people I spoke to on the street, which is what I was doing for BetMGM, the ownership that they take of the Vegas Golden Knights is different than the Raiders. It's going to be different than the athletics. And in asking people why, it's because they feel that their team is actually theirs. It's not a relocation. It's not a like sap sucking thing. It's theirs and they can be passionate about it and nobody can take that away from them. And so they've really latched onto it to the point where like you couldn't get in any bar. There were eight watch parties at the various resorts on the strip, all rammed. And then you go to the the pictures of the parade and the crowd's like 40 people deep. 
on the strip. They shut the strip down. The last time the Las Vegas strip was shut down completely was the shooting at Mandalay Bay. It didn't completely shut during COVID. So the last time that the Vegas strip was shut down, Vegas was not even playing. Yeah. And, and it was also it inverse circumstances, basically. Like, the, you know, one of the scariest, tragic modern the- events in U.S. history. And then, you know, the, the, the biggest joyful thing that has brought everyone in Vegas together in arguably its history. Like, it's, it's wild, man. And what I, like, I think it just can be, it can be summed up completely by, um, by a sign that I, I saw in the crowd um, that, that I tweeted and everything, but I'm like, this is what it's all about where the sign, you know, in the crowd ahead of the game, it was on the Jumbotron. It said, you know, um, the, the team I didn't know, or no, the sport I didn't know. I, I, or the team I didn't know I needed and the sport I didn't know I loved is what the sign said. And that's That's it. And like, you there's this there's this uh like i would say sort of like built-in expectation that like fans have to like they have to go through their they have to pay their dues you know like before they can be happy like they get you know like like well the guy that said i've waited six long years for this i was like you sit down over there you go over there it was extremely funny but i was like you shush (laughs) there's a sense that that like um, among hockey fans specifically that like, you know, you have to pay your dues before you're happy as a fan, you know, like your team, your team has to have gone through like, you know, 50 years of just absolute nothingness and torture and, and disappointment before then you can be happy. And like, no, sometimes they're just competent teams out there that hit the ground running and then they win. And those and and like, why on earth would you there's like, why on earth would you ever be a, a start being a fan of a team with no familial connection? Because everyone's like, oh yeah, when I was like, when I was a kid, like the Leafs won nothing. You know, I, I be, grew up a fan of them. Yeah, but like that's because my dad made me. You know, like that's because everyone else made them. So like, why would if if the Seattle Kraken, for example, were the were the the inaugural season version of the Seattle Kraken for like ten years, there would be no fans in Seattle Arizona. because what's the point? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know, like, or, you know, they'd be going for a new rink and they'd be trying to build it on a garbage dump that catches on fire next to the airport and the entire community would keep voting down. So, like, just people in Vegas, uh, you know, it's a different type of city, too, because people don't celebrate on the street there. They go right to the casinos and the bars and they celebrate because they're all around. There's such an easy, you know, like, like there was that perhaps too easy access. Might exactly. I say. So it's it, it's it, it's just a remarkable thing. Like now hockey in Vegas, like that's like the loudest building I've been in ever. Like that that was a rem- outside of, of like Champions League stuff for you. Yeah, and I would say like I was I was at BMO Field the day that Toronto FC won MLS Cup and I was there the day Canada qualified for the World Cup. I actually thought the building was going to collapse when Altador scored for TFC because they had been in the championship game the year before. Like I felt unsafe. I thought the building was going to collapse. I didn't feel unsafe at T-Mobile arena, but it, there were certain points where it certainly felt like this is not a hockey game. This is a spectacle. And part of the coolness and uniqueness of being in Vegas is that it's not just about the hockey game. There's entertainment. There are, there's like a whole marching band that just marches through the casinos to the games. The plaza outside was insane. Um, 
Speaking of which, I would like to give kudos to the FBI for thwarting the planned mass shooting that was supposed to take place yeah, at Game big, 5. Thank big you thanks. very thanks. much for that. Um, yes, thank you for your service. That uh, that could have been horribly tragic. Um, but yeah, I just think that it's a different vibe in Vegas that matches Vegas as a city. The, and I like Vegas because so I was there for seven and a half days. And you feel pretty insulated from the news, like of the general world. I didn't know anything happened except the Donald Trump stuff. And that's because he was the former president of the United States. But anything else, I had no idea what was going on. There was a bunch of stuff that happened in Europe that had my relatives not told me, I would have had no idea. And I kind of like that because you feel it's almost like a, an, you're on a different planet. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know. Like the only the only news thing I d- I knew of when we were in Vegas was a the uh like that the NBA finals were going on because that's all they talked about on ESPN, and B was the fact that like apparently we just couldn't like no one could breathe back home in Toronto. You know, that's oh the, yeah, that was a thing. I was gone for the uh, like I was in Vegas for the for the uh, uh the great smogging. Uh, of the great of small Toronto exactly but that's it like it was like other than that I, it was you're very insulated which is good for work like I got a crap ton of work done I didn't you know I was just there pounding out columns and podcasts and videos and whatnot but like yeah look I think Vegas is an incredible hockey market the, the arena is right on the strip um it's a great arena too you know like yeah yeah it, it, it's got the it's you know, depending on when I, the time, when the time, like with the time zone, it's three hours ahead. So these 5 p.m. local starts are lovely. You get out of the rink, you know, at like 9 p.m., 10, and you're, you're, you're just, you know, you got the whole night ahead of you. It's, it's great. I love it. For, for, for the, the rest, rest of, of the, the Vegas, Vegas type, type of behavior. behavior. Yeah. Which <laughs> I feel like one of us took part in a little bit more than the other one of us. <laughs> there was some serious degenerate behavior, but we'll get into Vegas tales. Um, Matthew Kachuk having to be lifted out of bed to play hockey in game four because he broke his sternum. At what point do we say that the doctors should not have allowed that? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's crazy. The one <laughs> thing that I find very funny, though, is that like, you know, in in a, a, probably a couple of weeks at this point, um, Matthew Kachuk will stand up at the altar uh, next to his brother on his brother's, you know, the best day of his brother's life uh, getting married. And next to him will be uh, the guy who, you know, the guy who solidified uh, uh, the biggest professional disappointment of his career in Mark Stone, who was also part of that. Gr- like that, that bridal party or the, the groom party. I, I, wedding I believe party. Cody Cece is also in that bridal party. Absolutely hilarious. But yeah, <laughs> like the fact, the fact that like Mark Stone and, and Matthew Duchuk were like, they were going after each other. Like they, yep. they were, and like them specifically, um, and they're close friends. Like the Kachuk, the, the Kachuk brothers, and Mark Stone are, and Cody Cece are so close. Well, yeah, because like Mark Stone, like I said, Mark Stone is in Brady to Chuck's wedding party along with Matthew. So like these guys, they just went to war against each other, and are now gonna be standing up there being like, "Oh, I'm so glad that my friend and my brother is getting married," you know, and they'll be taking pictures and drinking champagne and whatnot. It's it's man. Very, uh, uh, very, very funny. But yeah, so look, the the celebration, it's always great when we get to go on the ice, right? Like the celebration is really cool. Um, you know, Rachel got a pregnancy announcement teased to her. Not yeah, Rachel so, herself, but no, no. someone okay, she yeah. knows. I'm not pregnant. Um, let's, whoa. 
but I knew the fiance. So I'm been friends with the fiance of Mike Amadio for like 10 to 15 years now. Leaf legend. Uh, Yep. And so we were like messaging back and forth and like talking and she was like, come see me on the ice. And I was like, okay, perfect. Um, and so we go on the ice and like, I'm like looking for her. And then all of a sudden I just hear my name get like screamed. I'm like, Oh, yep. That's her. And she gives me like this big hug, like jumps into me. And I'm of course wearing shoes with no treads on the bottom. So I'm like, I'm going to fall down. And I was like congratulating her. I'm like, I'm so happy for you guys. Like, can't wait. And she's like, I have something to tell you. And I was like, uh, okay, what could possibly, what could you possibly need to tell me at this specific moment in time? And she's like, I'm pregnant and we're announcing it with the cup. And I was like, ah, like full face drop. So excited. And immediately like my day went from, this is one of the cooler days of my life to this is to be so happy for your friend in that moment to see like your friend's fiance achieve his lifelong dream. And then for her to be able to enjoy it, knowing that they're going to be parents, like as a friend, I was like, man, I just, I couldn't be happier for them. Like, think about that. You're, you win the cup and you're announcing your pregnancy. Does the, does the 24 hours get better than that? No doesn't and she did announce it so i'm not announcing i waited until she did it <laughs> yeah congratulations to the amadios um what i love um, is is just certain sort of like aspects of the of the scene on the ice was zach Whitecloud. we were talking to him and uh you know and he he basically because he was trying to find his dad and then he sees and then he sees his dad mid stops mid interview and just goes over he's just like sorry guys goes over hugs his dad for like a solid minute straight and his mom's just right up next to them trying to take a picture like so it's very it's very you know i saw somebody on the ice i don't know who it was but brett howden went to like hug his mom and while like he was doing an interview and the person that was interviewing him got annoyed and i was like what yeah this is the biggest professional accomplishment of this person's life. Of course he wants to spend it with his family and you're concerned about your interview. You can ask the same question in a minute. Like it's fine. It's also, um, I, I like, I look, I, you know, cause I used, you know, some of the quotes that, uh, uh, that we got on the ice, like for writing materials, but I, the Phil like, Kessel one. If it's, and we'll get to that in a second, but like the, the, the audio quality that you get on the ice, like you can't, I can't, I couldn't understand anything anyone was saying. Like I had to like jack up the volume as loud as it could go. You know, I had to like, it was impossible. So very, very funny that like, he's like, Oh, I need this audio. That's going to be the same thing that, you know, this person has said the whole time. It's literally just going to be, yeah, I'm so happy that we, that we won the Stanley cup. That's great. You know, like that's what he's going to say. And then, uh, yeah, it's just very funny. Anyway, uh, so Luke Fox and I, the first thing um, that I thought of, and it's funny because, you know, Rachel and I got separated on the ice because we were both had to do our own things for our jobs. And then I bumped into to her. And the first thing I said, like, I didn't even say like, hi again. I was just like, where is Phil Kessel? And I was like, over there. <laughs> he comes over and he's like, where's Kessel? And I was like, right there. I have never seen a man move so fast on the ice on in shoes. He three strides later was like halfway across the ice. Yeah, only me, Luke Fox, we're interviewing him. So he feels like, so Phil is just like as animated as I've ever seen him. And keep in mind, I wasn't in the media when Phil was in Toronto. Like Luke, Luke was. So he has more of a relationship. So they're mainly chatting, but I'm, I'm still there. You know, I'm having fun. Um, 
And then Phil just drops like the legendary quote on us. You know, it's like, takes me back to my Toronto days. You guys said I couldn't win. And now I'm a three-time champ. Remember that? And it was as like, it's funny because people think it was like a mic drop moment when really he was just laughing when he was saying it, but like, it's true. And Oh, he a hundred percent was just like, you know, he was going like tee hee hee. Like that's all yeah. he does. But like, it, it's legit, man. Like, like Phil Castle is my favorite player. Like I've said it many, many times. Like he's the reason behind my Twitter handle. You know, he's, I wore number 81 in minor hockey like that. It's because of him. I saw. So that night the cup went to a nightclub and I was there. I saw Phil Kessel eating a hot dog with the cup and my phone was dead. So I couldn't take a picture, but my God, I was like, that is stunning. It is beautiful. I love it. But yeah. And, and I guess somebody asked Jack Eichel and Jack Eichel was like, oh yeah, he's been eating hot dogs out of the cup. Yeah, of course. Like it's, I love it. I love how the one sort of like fabricated story as a lead in a column that was supposed to slander Phil Kessel has now become one of his most like endearing sort of quirks. (laughs) around the yep. legend of Phil Kessel. Like Steve Simmons really did try his best to run this man out of out of Toronto. And then what happened? <laughs> and he achieved pretty much nothing but success both regular season and playoffs after uh after he left. But like it is so funny that like he broke a journalistic convention to make up something, a journalistic rule to make up something to smear this man. And Phil has taken that and turned it into just the like, just such a fun, loving part of his brand that, you know, like, I like, I love it. I love it. It's just taking, it's like taking someone trying to dunk on you and making it part of like part of your brand. Your brand. It's awesome. I love it. Um, so yeah, good for Phil Kessel. He's a three-time champ. He said he's, he wants to play. He told us he wants to play next year. Um, and uh, I think he still can. He's yeah, still, I think he's, he's still, still fine. It's just that Vegas was an incredibly deep team. Not everyone can, yeah, you know, make that lineup. It's amazing. Let's talk about Tales from Vegas. So Mike and I went, we had an adventure. There were some evenings where we had some fun. There was, and the, so we, the one night we went to this place called Stage Door, where first of all, that was a hike and I'm never doing that again. Um, But it had like dollar beers and like, I don't drink beer, but like even my drink was cheap. It was like three or four dollars and it's like this complete dive bar like diners drive-ins and dives as dive as as, it's connected to a convenience store slash liquor store like it is yeah yeah. it's a dive bar but we met there was a bunch of like finnish media there so we got to meet um the finnish play-by-play guy and like a bunch of the european media contingent which i thought was awesome and i guess like they they so one of them said, he's like, we listen to the show, but we can't figure out if you and Mike are dating. And I, I all, I knocked my drink over because I was laughing so hard. I was like, oh my God. No, Mike and I are not dating. It's our palpable sexual tension, Rachel. He, it's, he, like, we're best friends in the, in the sense that like, I was so drunk that my head was like resting on Mike's shoulder and he did not bat one single eyelash. So I just want to put it together. This bar, like, you know, we don't want to go to inside baseball because people weren't there. So we don't want to make them feel bad. But like, like everything in Vegas is expensive. Like, that's the thing is they really try and upcharge you on everything. And it's American dollars, too. And we're in Canada. So it also goes far as well. Like, for example, our social media guy, Jared and I shout out Jared. Um, oh, we love Jared. We were at the we were at the pool, like, and there's a bar by the pool, and so we thought, oh, let's go and get, 
you know, like some, let's go get some tropical fruity drinks. You know, it's, 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 it's part of the, the vibe that we're at. And right also now. let's try and give Rachel alcohol poisoning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, that's basically, that was basically it. Um, and so we, we end up getting like Jared and I, and, and the way they structure it is they make you spend more money because there was a 12 ounce option for like a frozen margarita slash daiquiri, which was like $19 US. And then there's the, there's a 32 ounce uh, um, option, which was, I believe, $36 US. So it doesn't make any sense for you to, to get the smaller option because it's just you're, you're getting less bang per buck. So we ended up getting these 30, these 32 ounce things. And it's it, it, it was $36 US, which is like 50 bucks Canadian, like for one drink. That was basically a slushy with like four shots of tequila in it, but like still, and and so keep that in mind. Like like a, a frozen sort of like margarita, basically that's thirty two ounces, um, is four, which is like the size four of four shots of booze. Yeah, but what, it's like thirty two ounces, which is like the size of like a big Gatorade bottle, is like is like fifty dollars Canadian, basically. We go to this we go to this bar like it's it, we it's it's at the complete opposite end of the strip. Like we walked for like 40 minutes to get there. And I go you go up to the bar because they, they were advertising like dollar beers. And I'm like, this is too good to be true. So I go up to the bar and I see someone order or no, we were with uh, Tracos, like Michael Tracos as well. And and he orders a bucket of, of, of uh, Budweiser. And it was like five dollars. <laughs> and it comes up to six dollars and fifty cents. And I was like, what? I didn't even know that was legal. Like I didn't, I didn't think that like you, like the U S like alcohol code or whatever. I didn't know they allowed people to sell booze for that cheap. And yep. so here I am like watching half watching the NBA finals, half watching Jared, the social media guy lose money gambling on like a, a, ba- a totally rigged, like, which is so funny because earlier in that day, I had taught Jared how to play blackjack and he won like $375, which yeah, is but why he's, he's doing he it on like a rigged, drink. he's doing and it I on like a rigged, like video blackjack table. But like, I just, I'm just crushing a whole bucket by myself, like just for fun. And then, and then we left you guys with the, with the finish people. Cause Jared and I, we both got yeah. tired and we did, we pulled an Irish exit and went and got Panda Express. So and then I need everyone's opinion on this. So Mike knew I would I would say comfortably I was the drunkest person there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Comfortably. Because that was the night that night and the last night was when I really like had fun. But what do we think about Mike leaving me 40 minute walk from the hotel unattended? Is that a bad friend? Here's the thing. It's not like I left Rachel alone with like a bunch of like deviants at the bar. Okay. Number Um, one. There were deviants in there. Yeah, there were, but they weren't (laughs) talking to you. Number one, she was, she was surrounded by like the entire contingent of the Finnish, the Finnish contingent. Like nothing was going to happen to me. (laughs) Exactly. Number two, you also, you, you had Michael Trakos and Ryan Kennedy, literally our two editors. Like the, the, the boss boss. And then the, the guy who runs, yeah. Who, who was there as well. Um, and you had, and you were able to call an Uber and everything. No, so I had I, to walk. I had to, well, walk. you didn't have to, you just did. Well, okay. So originally I walked because I wanted McDonald's and then I realized that I would have had to like do some like weird climbing of stairs and nonsense to get mcdonald's and obviously i was not in any shape to be climbing any stairs so i did i the whole reason i walked was to get chicken nuggets 
and I didn't even get chicken nuggets. I did not have McDonald's the entire time I was there. I'm very proud of you for that. Now, Jared and I, we decided to just dip and go get some Panda Express. And I will say, just in terms of like like being able to function for the rest of the trip, like if we didn't get that, if if both him and I did not get that Panda Express, like we like you would have sent us home in like a medical chopper. Like that's I... the only thing that kept us yeah. from dying that night was and like that 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 that's the moment the, where you go back in time and you're like make sure you get the panda express or else you will pass well because the next day one of us was dead and that person was not mike and no i Jared. i gotta be honest and i like you know I, my brand is not having very much confidence in myself it, mainly because I, I i don't but the i will say is i was an abs when it came to like the physical ability to rebound I mean, I was unstoppable. I would like I, you know, I was the 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 guy who was, you know, you you think you think the night before, you know, it's a it's a knockout punch, but man, the next thing you know, I'm I'm awake before everyone, and I'm um I'm getting checking my, to make sure your best friend is alive, <laughs> getting my stuff done. Like it, I was proud of myself on that. So yeah, that was a lot of fun. Then Rachel was able to, uh, uh, you know, on the last day, because we stayed one extra day in Vegas, because shout out to Bed MGM. You know, we were able to get, we were staying at the Park MGM, shout out to MGM, they were able to hook us up. And Rachel just decided to, to become, you know, the the sugar, sugar daddy. Yeah, the sugar mama of the group, and just got us a cabana by the pool. And we were able to just chill in the cabana. With a very attractive relax. waiter. And re- while Rachel sexually harassed our, our, <laughs> our waiter. not. And, you know, it was just it was lovely. It was great watching Rachel just cross every HR line that you probably you could have imagined uh, with her very lovely and smiley man. Cameron. Cameron. Um, Shout out Cameron. I will. I will admit the guy was me, actually. <laughs> I'll admit the guy that he's, he's a good looking dude. If you know, if, if, if things swung in a different direction, I, I'd be I'd be up on that as well. Um, exactly. All right. So, yeah, that was Vegas. We uh, survived. I am on a detox this week until my cousin gets married on Friday. And then I have decided that I need a, my body revolted. Like I came home and slept for 18 hours for the two days after I got home. Like I was dead. And then I, I finally got up. And the only reason I got up was because it was father's day. And I was like, I have to, be a functioning member of society like it's father's day and my grandfather is 90 and so i gotta you know scrape it together to go to dim sum to to do it and and so yesterday was really the first day i had felt somewhat normal because the rest it felt like i was living in a cloud like you ever have that out-of-body experience where you just feel like you're in a cloud that was i i felt the way I described it was I hadn't had brain fog like that since I had COVID. And if you are a new listener to this show, you don't know this, but I got COVID really bad. And so it felt like that. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, it, it was I my body like straight up shut down towards <laughs> the end. Like I, I had like a like on the last night or the second last night. Like the last night that we actually stayed in Vegas, I had like what Rachel described. What was it like a neuro like? Oh, I had. Yeah. Alcoholic neuropathy. No, but what did I have? Because I remember I I basically was like fencing, but like not because I was so sleep deprived. 
Yes, he, he was having like neurological dysfunction. Yeah, and I was like, I was basically in like the fetal position in my bed, like sweating, yeah. and then also like clenched. It was it was wild, man. We we put our bodies on the line here. Um, speaking of people whose bodies have have uh, uh you know basically just run out of time, it's uh Oliver Ekman Larson. Now, Rachel, uh, you know, here's the thing. Canucks bought it all of Rackman Larson. It's a wild move. I'm going to let you, I'm just going to let you cook for a couple minutes here and do what you love to do best, which is basically not slander, but crap on your former employer with this move. So go ahead. Yeah. So uh, let's start here. Um, Oliver Ackman Larson is one of the nicest people I've met in hockey. He is awesome. And I hope he lands on his feet. And I'm so happy that Francesco Aquilini has to pay him $19.5 million to not play for him because that's great. And knowing the two people involved, I'm very happy for Oliver Ekman Larson. Go him. We love that for him. So this was really the only summer that the Canucks were going to be able, that it made sense to buy out Ekman Larson. But Patrick Olveen at his end of season press conference said he didn't want to use any buyouts because it's going to negatively impact the cap when the Canucks are aiming to be good. And so now that they've actually had to buy out Oliver Ekman Larson, does that mean that clearing cap space via trade was completely impossible? Because if so, uh, yikes, that's not a very good look considering that uh, Rob Blake cleared more cap space than Oliver Ekman Larson in an afternoon um and vegas seems to be able to do it with ease and so that's not great but if you look at it ekman larson's going to cost one hundred forty six thousand dollars on the cap next year so that's like seven million bucks in relief but then he's going to be 2.3 million in 2024 2025 and then when the canucks are actually supposed to be good which is 2025 2026 and 2026 2027 He's going to be $4.7 million on the cap. So you are going to have $4.7 million in dead cap space for those two years. And then he's 2.1 until 2031. That is, Mike, we will be 35 when Oliver Ekman Larson's deal expires. Zero, zero chance I'm still alive when that. 35 years old. And I want to say this, like, I don't think it's a secret. Everybody knows what I think about some certain members of that Vancouver front office. This particular thing was not their fault. No, this is Jim Benning. No, not even his. Oh, oh, sorry. Francesco Aquilini. Correct. You could. Antoine Roussel, Jay Beagle and Louis Erickson's contracts were expiring. And Mike Johnson pointed this out on NHL Network. All you had to do was sit down and shush for a year and let those contracts expire. No, instead, you wanted to make a dumb trade that everyone in the league told you not to make because it would set the timeline back and you strong-armed your GM into doing it. Because I guarantee you, if you give Jim Benning truth serum, he tells you he doesn't want to make that deal. So now, instead of having $12 million in cap space and Dylan Gunther and either Hunter Hayde or Jack McBain, depending on if you trade the pick or not, you have... Connor Garland, who's on the trade block, and Oliver Ekman Larson, who's been bought up and, and is now on your cap for another eight years. At what point, as an owner, are you going to learn that you have no idea what the hell you're doing and maybe let the people that you've hired make decisions? Because as Micah McCurdy always says, you could pay me $200,000 every year to tell you not to do something and I would save you millions. 
he uh, uh, he's never going to learn. No. Like he won't. If he hasn't learned by now, he won't. And the thing about being rich too is like you think most of the time people luck into being rich, whether it's luck, whether it's it's they they lucked into you know what family they were born into, or you know like of maybe which they, he was one. <laughs> yes, or maybe they lucked into you know like a circumstance. How they were, yeah, like they who they married or um i don't know like you happen to invent something or you happen to be the son of but, but that they will lock into it but they will think because they you know because they need to because the the alternative is so sad that they will that they will have to convince themselves that no like they got here because of uh, i got here because of my genius because i was smart enough to to get here and that's what that's what Francesco Aquilini is he like he he's a nepo baby and yet he thinks that he he think he thinks that that he's so brilliant that he that he's the one who is responsible for all his you know all 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 his his, his uh I guess sort of like f- vast fortune he's Kendall Roy man like, he, like you know what's funny is somebody who competes against Francesco Aquilini in a different space not in hockey said something super interesting to me. So there are three Aquilini sons, right? Luigi mm. is the father. There are three. There are, <laughs> there are Paolo, Roberto, and is it Luigi, Mario, Wario, <laughs> yeah. and Waluigi? <laughs> but if you look, Paolo and Roberto are actually tasked with running AIG, which is the Aquilini Investment Group. That's the actual moneymaker. And Francesco is like relegated to the Vancouver Canucks. What does that say about the dad's confidence in Francesco's decision making that he's like, do not go anywhere near the investment group? Uh, probably not super high. So he, he's like, you know what? It's fine if, if he runs a hockey team into the ground, because at least it's not, you know, at least he's not running our, our you know, our cash cow Business. into the ground. Yeah. You know, like it's it's insane. But yeah, like, I mean, Oliver Ekman Larson is going to land on his feet. He gets paid 20 million bucks regardless. Now, Arizona has a retained salary cap. They, because now Arizona gets penalized, which you know what? I don't really care because they deserve it. Um, Good. Yes, they can't retain any more salary. Like, I, like, oh, like they no. can't. They can't be the middlemen in retaining a ton of salary and, and money laundering more against the cap. Like, I'm glad. I will. I will thank you, Francesco, for your stupidity because at least it benefits the war. Like the the parasite on the bottom yeah. of the NHL's. You know, like sucking at the NHL's teat. But I think that. Oliver Ekman Larson at one and a half million dollars in a bottom pair role is is actually fine. Like is totally fine. You get in trouble when he has to be your top pair defenseman. He's not that. But if you told me that Oliver Ekman Larson was being signed by the Toronto Maple Leafs for Justin Hall's salary, I'd be like, yeah, I would do that. I would I would do that. But anything over $2 million, you can head out. I'd just rather you not bring up the name Justin Hall on this podcast and let that, unless absolutely necessary. I, I, that would, that's just my, my request. And I okay. put that in Sorry. writing, Rachel. Um, Sorry. So, but yeah, no, like I, I think Oliver Ekman Larson, he's not an $8 million defenseman. And that's fine. But that doesn't mean he's not an NHL defenseman. If he plays in sheltered minutes, in a bottom pair role, I think he could be capable. Oh, absolutely. I think, look, he was still like, he was getting cratered in those minutes, uh, uh, like in, in high leverage minutes that he was playing in, in Vancouver, because they just had to keep shoving that $8 million square peg in that round hole. That right. was the top pair. Um, but like, 
he was he was still like playing NHL hockey. Like he was still making yeah. passes and he was still, you know, you know, like, you know, like basically just just shortening the odd gap and and entering the odd uh, zone, making the know? odd breakout pass. Exactly. Like he was able to do that stuff. Yeah, I think um, he's fine as sort of a bottom pair guy. And if you pay him like a bottom pair guy, then that's fine. You just can't be paying somebody seven odd million dollars and getting that result in the same way you can't be playing Tyler Myers six million dollars and getting whatever that is like not would you take Tyler Myers on the on the Toronto Maple Leafs for 1.5 million dollars you absolutely would like 100% because he's a good penalty killer he's big he's physical and he's worth one and a half million dollars but if I said Mike you have to take him on your team for five and a half million dollars you'd be like are you insane I'd be like no get like stop talking get out yeah you know? exactly so everything is in um proportion right you have to be paying appropriate salaries which is why they're in this mess to begin with because at the start of all of this they were not paying players appropriate salaries and now that's just going to continue until you and i are 35 years old like one of us might have children by then i like like i (laughs) i said before like zero chance i i survive to the point where this contract comes off their books Here's a, here's a fun little wager. What happens first? Rachel moves to Europe. Oliver Ekman Larson is no longer paid by the Vancouver Canucks. You you moving to Europe? Are you kidding <laughs> me? Like you could it, you could tell me tomorrow that you're moving to Europe and it would not shock me at all. <laughs> like I'm, I'm saying, he's really like, afraid. No, like I like it wouldn't it would not shock me. So like that's that's a bad. I'm I'm thinking like would it like what's what's, what's Mike gets happen married? First? Yeah, for real. Mike gets married or all of an. Oliver Ekman Larson comes off the Canucks books. We're going to make a Twitter poll. You guys need to vote on it. I need to know what is more likely to happen first. It's it's exactly uh, like and I, I'm telling you, it will likely be Oliver Ekman Larson, but <laughs> it will be close. Um, yeah. All right. Another another let's let's end on a good extension that was signed, which is Jesper brought eight years, 63 million dollars. Just to, you know, lay with the New Jersey Devils. After like two years of them being wishy-washy on committing to him, they were finally like, all right, you're a good player and I guess we'll pay you. Oh, okay. Like, we'll pay you a reasonable, uh, like an extremely reasonable salary for the maximum term right before the cap's supposed to go up. So it'll look even better in a couple of years. All right, twist my arm. Fine. That's what they did. And uh, I think it's, I think the New Jersey Devils are, uh, they're a team on the up, man. Like they're, they're going to be very, very scary. They have a lot of really good pieces locked in. Yeah. So Jesper Brat was my original son. Like he was the original one, right? He was the guy, John Hines and I actually still laugh about this. Like he was the guy that John and I had like our first contentious conversation about because he wasn't in the lineup. And I was like, John, like, you got to play this guy. Like, you got to play him. Wouldn't play him in the playoffs and wouldn't da-da-da. And Jesper was young, right? He needed some time to develop. But he has really blossomed in to this um, fantastic hockey player. And a funny story is at that draft, when the Leafs took William Nylander in the first round, they went and spoke to Michael Nylander. And Michael Nylander said, guys, if you want a player who is going to play in the NHL late, take Jesper Brat. And they didn't take him. And Michael Nylander was absolutely right. And New Jersey got him in the sixth round. And now 
He has an eight-year, eight-point-something million-dollar contract with them, and New Jersey's got Hughes, Heischer, Hamilton, and Bratt locked up for the next six years, I believe, is when Nico's deal expires. Um, Maybe five for Hamilton. But either way, um, I really like what New Jersey um, is doing. The one concern I would have is Hughes, Bratt, and Heischer are all relatively small and all get hurt. That would be the only concern I have, but Brad has more than earned this extension. I it brought a huge smile to my face just because that was the first guy I he was before Severson. Like that was the guy that I really went to bat for. And so just to see him succeed um is awesome. I I love it. Yeah. I I couldn't have uh, said it better myself. Like I think it's it's I I think it's a phenomenal contract. Um, and to get it done at this time, like hopefully before the salary cap goes up, so it'll look even better. It's just great. Like I, I, there's nothing else I can really say. It's just a great, great contract that thankfully happened right before I hopped on a plane. So I was able to write the news head for it. Um, and yeah, the New Jersey devils are going to be one of the most dangerous teams around, uh, for the next little bit. So good for them. Very proud. And yeah. All right, Rachel. Well, that brings us to the end of the podcast. Um, I'm going to, I have to do, I still haven't done any of my laundry um, from being on the road and wearing the same clothes for two weeks straight. So I got to go do that. Um, But, (laughs) but after that um, we will be back later this week, obviously for our regularly scheduled program. Um, And yeah, Thursday, we'll be back Thursday. So yeah, everyone enjoy it just as the dogs come into play as we can hear in the background. Um, But yeah, Rachel, before we head out, anything uh, you want to shout out our lovely listeners for. Um, I had draft rankings drop today, so you can look at that. I want to make clear because apparently um, reading comprehension on Twitter is not a thing. I made the list as this is who like the best player available is. I did not make the list the way that an amateur scouting director would do that, which is why I have Reinbacher at 22nd and not in the top 10 like other lists because he's not a top 10 player in the draft. It's just, that's where he's going to go. That doesn't mean that he's a top 10 player. So when you read it, it's a top 64. Um, I, you mainly use my model. I would say it's 75% model, 25% uh, eye test. And I'm really excited about the draft. There's a ton of content coming out. Um, this podcast has a ton of stuff in the works um, for next year that we're really excited about. So stay tuned and yeah, we'll be back on Thursday. Sweet. All right. Well, we ain't done yet. We still got some stuff to go, but then we're obviously going to take a break. It'll be great. Anyway, yeah. Back on Thursday. Peace.